It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football guru, Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter at MadJournalist. That is M-A-D-D, journalist. And guys, we're going to go ahead. We're going to talk fantasy football week four. This is really where Chris gets to shine. We get to talk about all the player matchups, what players he's looking at. We're going to go through the slate. Now, we're going to go through the Sunday slate, 1 o'clock to 4 o'clock. We're going to go ahead. We're going to exclude Sunday night game, Monday night game. Most guys don't go ahead, and they don't really play that unless you're you know, looking for like a showdown or something like that. So we're going to go ahead. We're going to concentrate on the main slate. So, Chris, we have a lot of injury news that we got to go ahead and get to. We're going to talk a lot in, in every game. There, there's a lot. And we're starting out with the first game here with you know the Chicago Bears and Indianapolis Colts. And I'm looking at a player prop. Probably looking at maybe Montgomery going and taking his over. But I want to hear what you have to say for the Colts and the Bears. What are you thinking? Yeah, Sleepy. So, you know, we saw Allen Robinson last week in that spot, and he was one of the top receivers on the board. With Nick Foles, you're going to see much more consistent passing volume going his way. He's 6,700 right now on DraftKings. So I think a lot of people might shy away from the matchup. But, you know, he is priced pretty high up there. He's priced more expensive than Amari Cooper then Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, even Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, et cetera, et cetera. So because of his high price tag, I think he might come in at lower ownership. Uh, my only worry there is the, the defensive pressure that the Colts defensive line is going to put on the Bears in this game. And like I mentioned, the low total here, I think the over-under, I want to say, is maybe sitting at about 43 points. I'm not sure if it's moved down. Yeah, it's, it's sitting at 43 right now, at least where I'm looking. So um, – you know, obviously you're firing up Allen Robinson if you got him, but I would really look towards Jimmy Graham and Anthony Miller in this contest. We all know that Nick Foles likes to target the tight end and the slot receiver on his offense. And Jimmy Graham, I've got him tight end nine. That's actually seven spots higher than consensus. And I think a lot of people are going to say, oh, Jimmy Graham, he's just caught touchdowns this year. You know, there's not really too much behind that. But Jimmy Graham's actually been getting a ton of targets in this offense. And, and I think, you know, he impressed them in the preseason and they had a whole bunch of tight ends on that roster and he beat out all of them without question. The coaching staff is high on him. So despite being an older type of tight end, he's not athletic as he used to be. Jimmy Graham is a guy I really like, really like as a, as a solid tight end option in DFS this week. And if you got him on your rosters in season long, I would suggest firing him up too. So um, that's, that's kind of where I'm looking here. Allen Robinson's obviously going to be the main guy. But Jimmy Graham and Anthony Miller, I think Anthony Miller especially could be really low owned in this game, a really sneaky option. Uh, Anthony Miller right now coming in at just 4900 on DraftKings. So I, I do like the price tag on him. That's kind of my overall thoughts in this matchup. On the Colts side, you know, I'm not really looking to anybody in particular. I think Jonathan Taylor has a tough matchup. And when it comes to the Colts receivers, I'm staying away from that right now. There's there's no real clear target leader in that offense. Mo Ali Cox and Jack Doyle are, sp- are splitting snaps, splitting targets. So I'm going to shy away from the Colts offense in general, but I am going to look towards, you know, high end Allen Robinson, low end. I think there's a lot of great value on Jimmy Graham and Anthony Miller in this ballgame. You know, the one thing that concerns me here for the Bears, at least moving into this week, is it's going to be one week where they don't have Cohen. And we know that he could provide you with some receiving yards and some rushing yards. And then you take Trubisky and you subtract his rushing yards. It's like, all right, well, you're going to lose a lot of rushing production in this game. So where do you look? I mean, you can only really look to Montgomery. I don't believe you can look to the backup in Patterson. I mean, Patterson came out of Tennessee. He was a wide receiver, and then he converted from the NFL to 
you know, kick returner, punt returner, wide receiver, running back. Now, you know, he's pretty much just primarily like a running back, but I think it's like more of an emergency type of situation with that guy. So I don't know how much production he would get. I'm thinking that Montgomery's going to get a decent look here, you know, at a decent amount of attempts. And I think the reason for that might be that do they want to go ahead and just throw Nick Foles, you know, into the flames here at home against a good indie defense uh, to go ahead and have him kind of struggle and have maybe a bad game. He goes out and throws two interceptions. It's like, oh, my God, what do we do? You know, da 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 So I think they kind of approach him with, with a little bit more of a kid glove type of game plan here where, yeah, you're going to go ahead and you're going to get your throws from Foles, but I think a, a lot of it's going to end up going through Montgomery. Now, a lot of the only thing that really that worries me a little bit here with Montgomery, his total right now is 62 and a half. <clears throat> his total right now is 62 and a half. I think that's certainly achievable, but the Colts rush defense has actually been very good this year. They're ranked like number fourth in the league. They're giving up 93 yards per game on the ground. And I'm not sure if Montgomery can get over that, but if there was one guy that I'm looking at for that particular game to go ahead and try to hit a prop on, uh, it would probably be Montgomery because there's really just nobody else there. And I believe that he he might be in, in store for you know a lot of a lot of volume this week. So that's the way I would look in that one. Let's jump over to the Saints and the Lions. I'll throw it to you first here, Chris. Saints, I mean, a lot of money's been coming in against the Saints here. Obviously, everybody likes the Lions. Galladay's going to be back. Michael Thomas is – is Michael Thomas playing this week, Chris, or is, he, or is he even ruled out? No, he's been officially ruled out as of today. We're, well, we're recording here, like, basically Saturday after midnight, but Friday he was officially ruled out. Okay, yeah, I thought he was officially ruled out of that game. So I'm not sure what you think about that one. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a prop for the Saints, actually. But, Chris, I'll let you go and rip and run Saints lines. What are you thinking? Yeah, so – and this is part of the process this week, Sleepy, where during the week I'm extremely focused on, uh, you know, wide receiver defensive back matchups on the, the team totals and how they affect different fantasy players. So I'm really working on my fantasy rankings, and that provides me with the basis of how I'm going to attack my props over the weekend. And, and typically we've been seeing in the last few weeks is that, you know, uh, you know ma- mainstream offshore books like a bet online AG, they have their player prop builder tool – and they haven't been releasing any prop numbers until usually Fridays is what I've been seeing here. So this is just the time now where I'm going through my rankings and I'm correlating them with what numbers do I want to attack when I look at the prop numbers that are available. So even talking about the last game, you know, you know, I think Allen Robinson's receiving yards total is way too low. So I would definitely look over there. And like I said, with Miller and Graham. But in regards to this game, the, the one thing that jumps out at me the most is Kenny Galladay. And at the beginning of the week, I had him ranked extremely low. I had him near in the 30s because he was going to have one of the toughest defensive back shadow matchups going up against Marshawn Lattimore. But the Saints have a ton of guys on the defensive end. Forget about Michael Thomas. Marshawn Lattimore has been ruled out for this game. So is Janoris Jenkins and I believe a few other key players. So they've got cluster injuries on defense. So when I'm looking at Kenny Galladay and the over-under is 64 and a half, I think I'm definitely going to improve. Uh, I think I'm definitely going to include that in my official player props article, which I'll be putting out Saturday night on the Betting Predators website. So that's where you can check out my weekly fantasy rankings. They're going to be updated multiple times a week, all the way up through kickoff on Sunday. So Kenny Galladay, 64 and a half receiving yards. I'm definitely going to jump on that. And his over under on receptions is just four and a half. Kenny Galladay is the main guy in that offense. Don't forget just because he missed the first couple of games in, you know, from this season here, but man, like 
I, I'm all over that. You know, if you got him in fantasy, you're obviously firing him up. But I think he's a great DFS option. He's probably going to come with some pretty high ownership in terms of DraftKings contest. But, you know, you, you saw it last week, I mean, with the Lions. And they had a tough matchup in week three. But even with the tough matchup there, I think Kenny Galladay, he was going up against uh, Patrick Peterson. He still was able to get six catches for 57 yards. So I think he has a much better day here against the Saints team that's probably going to be lining them up against their third string defensive back. So I'm looking there for the the Lions. You, you don't want to touch their backfield. It's too unpredictable. Matt Patricia, whether it's Adrian Peterson, um, you know, whether it's DeAndre Swift, whether it's on Johnson. And on the New Orleans Saints side of things with Michael Thomas out, you know, Kamara's numbers are probably going to be propped up so high that I'm hesitant to bet any of those numbers juiced up that the way that the way that they are. Um, I do like TJ Hawkinson. He's a guy I was looking at earlier in the week. But now the fact that Lattimore and Jenkins are out, I think Kenny Galladay gets the major boost. And it makes me a little bit more lukewarm on Hawkinson overall. So Hawkinson's at 43 and a half receiving yards. I still do like that number. I would put Galladay number one, betting the over on his receiving yards. And then I would put Hawkinson a little bit behind him also betting the over on him. I think it's going to be the one-two punch for Matthew Stafford, who could really be in for a big day against this Saints defense here. You know, one of the things I'm looking at here when I'm starting with this game is the total. It's at 54. So they obviously expect a lot of points in this game. And the Saints team total, I'm guessing, is probably right around 26 and a half, 27, maybe even 28 points. So we're going to get some touchdowns. And when I'm looking at the touchdowns, I'm looking at touchdown score, and Alvin Kamara is minus 225. So they certainly expect him to go ahead and get in the end zone. And I don't want to bet minus 225. What I want to do is I want to take plus 180 with Traquan Smith. When you take a look at Thomas and then you take a look at who's left on that Saints roster, at least with the wide receivers, the only guy that can kind of mimic Thomas is Traquan Smith. Emmanuel Sanders can't. He just simply doesn't have the size, and, and neither does, does Kamara. So I think Traquan Smith is going to be the guy who kind of gets, you know, breathes somewhat comfortable. If you go back two weeks ago against the Raiders, he had seven targets. If you go back to last week, he had six. So I get 13 targets from a guy who, you know, quite frankly, you know, I think he's he's underrated, and, we, and we've seen him explode, you know, in the past here, Chris. So I think plus 180 to get Traquan Smith in the end zone is certainly worth a look. So that'll be a prop that I'm probably going to end up playing for that particular game. I don't really have anything else on that one. Uh, I was thinking maybe Sanders, but then I'm looking, I'm like, Traquan's probably going to be the guy who ends up getting in. I just have a gut feeling with that one. I think everything kind of lines up uh, for him to go ahead and get in the end zone this week. And he hasn't been in the end zone, you know, the last two weeks. So I think maybe this is his time to go ahead and shine. Sleepy, just real quick, an, an extra note on that is that surprising to me because earlier in the week, it didn't seem like it was much of an issue, but Jared Cook has also been ruled out of this game. So Breeze is going to be without his number one wide receiver option and his number one tight end option. So they literally, besides Kamara, they have to throw throw the ball a lot to Traquan and Emmanuel Sanders. So I, I'm definitely not against that Traquan Smith prop. I got to take a closer look at that myself as well. Well, his yardage, Chris, just in case you haven't seen it on DraftKings right now, is 50 and a half. So he's the second highest guy as far as yardage is concerned. Emmanuel Sanders, 48 and a half, Alvin Kamara. 59 and a half so if you're saying cook's out thomas is out we know that i mean traquan i think he's just in for you know probably a high target weekend and, and if we can get him down near the red zone i think there's certainly a shot in at plus 180 i mean that's a really good price i feel for that one let's go over to the cardinals and the panthers 
Another high total here, Chris. Another 50 total, 51.5 for this game. Cardinals will be favorite here on the road. I have a play here that I actually like for the Cardinals. But, Chris, again, I'm going to let you go ahead and start out and give the goods, and then I'll go ahead and piggyback whatever you got. Yeah, so I, I think you got to look to buy low on DJ Moore in, in fantasy, but also in the prop market as well. So DJ Moore is actually top 10 in the league when it comes to targets. He just hasn't had very accurate targets thrown his way from Teddy Bridgewater. But this is a game where, you know, it, at least the, 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 the odds would make it seem like the Panthers are going to be playing catch-up mode most likely in this ball game here. And Arizona is going to score points. I think we're all going to agree on that, which means Carolina is going to have to score points to keep up with them here. And DJ Moore, his receiving total is only 65 and a half. And I, I get it. He's had a couple down weeks, but he still is the number one target in that offense. They're, they're using him all over the field. They're lining them up in the slot. They're sending them down deep down the field. They're also putting him through intermediate routes. So as much as Robbie Anderson has shined in that offense, DJ Moore is still the top dog, maybe a 1A to Robbie Anderson's 1B. I think 65 and a half receiving yards is too low for DJ Moore, especially when he's going to be lined up most likely against Patrick Peterson, which in the past we would be a little bit afraid of that matchup. But Peterson isn't the, the you know the top tier defensive back that he used to be. He's still solid, um, but I, I don't know if he's going to shadow DJ Moore a hundred percent of the time in this game. Even if he does, we just need basically you know one or two nice catches, you know intermediate to deep catches to pay this total off here. So I really like DJ Moore. I've got him ranked near my top ten fantasy rankings for the week as well. So I, I expect this game to to put up points like the total implies. And I've got DJ Moore ranked number 10 right now. ECR has, has him 13, so I'm slightly higher than the market on him when it comes to other fantasy analysts. I'm also high on Robbie Anderson. I've got him as a top 20 option. Um, I don't know if the total is necessarily a number to attack in terms of his receiving yards. He's at 57 and a half. I think my point is here is that I, I don't think that DJ Moore's player prop receiving yards total should be less than 10 more than Robbie Anderson, which is why I'm more inclined to attack DJ Moore's receiving yards prop as opposed to Anderson in this game, even though I do like both as a fantasy option in DFS and season long this week. You know, when I'm looking at DJ Moore, that's the guy I was was actually thinking about when I'm looking at this one. I know last week he didn't have a great game and he hasn't provided anybody with any touchdowns. But if you look at what he did, in week one, he had nine targets. I think he had nine targets. And then the week after, I think he had like 12 or 13. So he's had a lot of targets. He's, he's gotten some decent yardage. But, I mean, you can go ahead and you can get him to score a touchdown. And and like I just said, there's, you know, a decent amount of points that are expected to be in this game, 51 and a half right now. I think playing more to go ahead and score a touchdown in this game is certainly a way that I would go ahead and look. Right now, you can get more at like plus 190 to score. Yeah, you, you talk about when, when it comes to fantasy, you talk about touchdown regression of like guys that are getting air yards. DJ Moore is also tops in the league when it comes to air yards. And I think that he's getting like 50% of the air yards in that offense, which means the total yards that a pass goes downfield, whether it's caught or not. So the fact that literally half of the potential yards from Teddy Bridgewater in that offense and the Arizona secondary is nothing that we're going to be worried about here. So you know, the yardage total, I really like. I tend not to play the touchdown props because touchdowns, they are obviously the most fluky and unpredictable. But when you're talking about a guy that's due with the amount of targets and air yards he's gotten this year and the fact he hasn't scored, then that's that's when you're going to look to play those touchdown props. So I, I do like I do like that from what you're talking about here here with that as well. 
you bring up a good a good point you know it's a do factor and and you don't want to necessarily bet on do factors but at some point you have to just consider that you know that the guy is due and if you can get plus 190 for a touchdown i mean he should have been in the end zone i mean as of right now chris like what would his projection would have what would it have been you know going into the year like how many touchdowns would you think more would have had you know, going into week four, you would have to expect at least minimum of one, you know, maybe two, maybe three going into week four. Like you would expect him to at least average, you know, maybe almost one per game because I mean, he was one of the the most highly sought after wide receivers. So the fact that he has zero and I'm getting plus one ninety, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Like where do you, how many touchdowns do you think he should have like right now? Well, well, he's the he's the type of guy where last year his touchdowns actually were less than what expected with the amount of targets, air yards, receptions, and receiving yards he got overall. He only had four touchdowns last year, but he was playing with one of the most inefficient quarterbacks, especially when throwing the ball deep downfield in Kyle Allen. So while we expect that to improve with Teddy Bridgewater, the chances are definitely more likely at this point. Look, we're we're in week four now. We're almost a quarter of the way through the season, so. You know, even if he's going to, you know, underperform in the touchdown you know, area and only get four like last year, you figured one's going to come sooner or later. So, again, it's not something that I'm going to bet personally. But look, when it comes to fantasy and I'm this is a fantasy plug here for the website. And obviously I talked about my rankings. You can check them out on bettingpredators.com. But I'm also going to be putting out next week. It's something I've been working on this week It is going to be a fantasy football stock report. And it's going to be like every quarter, right, every quarter through the season. I'm going to put on a stock report of guys we want to buy low on and sell high on. And DJ Moore is absolutely at the top of my list in terms of fantasy buying low through trades, whether in season long league, a redraft league, a dynasty league. You know, the fact that he's ranked wide receiver 28 right now, and he's going to be, he's obviously disappointed his fantasy owners to this point. You have to follow the usage, which is the targets and the air yards. So he's definitely due at some point soon. Uh, which is why, like I said, I, I just can't get away from that yardage. I, I just think that yardage total for him is just way too low. You know, when you talked about the air yards, I noticed here he has like long receptions of 30 yards, 38 yards. So clearly, you know, they're going deep to him. You know, my, I guess my concern, the fact that he hasn't gotten into the end zone yet, I'm wondering what his yards after catch might be if DJ Moore is a guy who's going to fight through, you know, tackle, or if he's going to be a guy who just gets touched simply and he just falls down because you know, we've seen those kind of receivers as well. And it's not like they get phased out, but eventually it's like, dude, like you got to, you know, you can't just fall down when you get touched. So I'm just curious where he might be in, in that statistical area. Let's jump over to Jaguars and the Bengals. Jaguars here, they're going to be on the road. Bengals will be a slight favorite here, minus two and a half, 49 and a half. I got a strong handicap on this one. I'm actually going to go ahead and give you guys a sneak peek for my straight out of Vegas player prop best bet chris i'll let you go and rip and run on this one first and then i'll close it out with my i'll actually make it a best bet for this podcast as well yeah so when you look at the jacksonville side you know you can't look further than james robinson you know undrafted rookie free agent who's just been absolutely tearing it up through three weeks this season and you know i finally come around to putting him in my top 10 in terms of rankings for season long it's three spots higher. He's, he's ECR right now. Expert consensus, rank, consensus rankings has him at RB11. I have a hard time putting them lower than number eight. And I've got him right behind Clyde Edwards-Alaire this week. Um, and you look at the game script for, for this matchup here, it, it, it projects to be a close game. 
which means I think Robinson will definitely get the carries and the workload here. Um, I would look towards maybe one of the props you gave out last week, Sleepy, is you gave out Singletary, but you didn't focus on the rushing or receiving as you focused on the combined yardage here. And I'm looking at the Bet Online AG player prop builder tool. They, unfortunately, they don't have that option there. But if you look at his rushing yards prop and his receiving yards prop, you're talking about 82 yards right now. I would definitely look over that if you can get the rushing and receiving over 82 for James Robinson. And the, the problem with the pass catchers on both sides of the on both sides of the ball here is that Gardner Minshew's been, you know, he's been really spreading the ball around, and he gets DJ Shark back in this game, so. I'm a little worried about the amount of usage that Shark can get as the number one receiver in that offense. And same thing with the Bengals side of things. I mean, Burrow has been spreading it around too to A.J. Green, to Tyler Boyd. You saw T. Higgins with two touchdowns last week. So because of that, I'm not going to just bank on one guy getting a majority of that work, although Tyler Boyd had the big week in week three. The only way I would really look here is James Robinson. And then I would actually look to the quarterbacks. And those are the props that I probably play – less than normal when it comes to running backs, receivers, and tight ends. But I think both quarterbacks are going to have their way going up against these opposing secondaries this week. And you look at Gardner Minshew, his, his passing yard total is at two, uh, 269 and a half. Joe Burrow is at 277 and a half. So again, these aren't official plays. But as I do my research tomorrow through the day and put out my official prop plays Saturday night, I'm definitely going to be looking towards Minshew and Burrow possibly going over those passing yards totals. Well, right now on DraftKings, Chris Robinson's receiving and rushing is 78 and a half. So you probably feel at least pretty comfortable with that number. Let me give you guys my best bet for a player prop in that game. That's going to be Tyler Boyd over his receiving yards, 58 and a half. Now, I believe there are a few factors that we can look at. One, we want to look at you know, volume. What what could, what type of volume is he going to get? Well, he ranks 14th right now in the league when it comes to targets. He has 26 total targets on the year. That's 8.5 targets per game. That's not all that bad. But if you look at the trends, I think Boyd had four in the first week, seven in the second, and 13 last week. So clearly, Boyd has taken over as Burrow's number one wide receiver. Another thing to consider you know, that, that Boyd had 10 catches last week for 125 yards. It was his season, um, his his highest mark of the season. So I think that that is a good thing, especially for Burrow and the fact that they came away, you know, where they didn't get blown out. They didn't lose the game. And it was like, okay, cool. You know, it was it, that was a successful thing. But if you look at the Jacksonville defense, they're like dead last in like pass completion percentage. They're, I think, second to last in sacks. They, they simply don't get after the quarterback. And if I could get Burrow in the pocket comfortable with a guy who, you know, really provided him a lot of help and a lot of catches last week and and really made Burrow look good, I don't see any reason why they don't go back to him, you know, this week. 58 and a half seems extremely low to me. I I could understand maybe not playing it at maybe like 68 and a half. I think it's off by like 10 yards, but I wouldn't be shocked if Boyd goes off again for maybe 100 yards in this game. So I think 58 and a half is just way too low. I'll go ahead and give you that, guys. That'll be my best bet for this podcast. Tyler Boyd over 58 and a half receiving yards. All right, Chris, what do we got next here? We got the Browns and the Cowboys. This is going to be a, a game that everybody's probably going to end up watching. High total on this one, too, Chris. 56 total. Another 50 total is just, I mean, it, it seems like every game is at 50. I mean, at some point, somebody's going to get clobbered betting all these overs and, and 
somebody's going to go and bet them all this week again. But Cowboys minus four and a half. What do you got for this one? Who are you thinking about? Yeah, so I'm going to start with what you just said about the totals here. And I actually project more of a slow-paced game between the Cowboys and the Browns. And the Cowboys matchups to open the season have, have just been the absolute nut in terms of getting those high-tempo, temp- fast-paced games on both sides. I mean, they played the Atlanta Falcons. They played the Seattle Seahawks. So those are two of the worst secondaries in the NFL here. And you're talking about now going up against the Cleveland Browns teams. They're going on the road to face the Browns, and you know what the Browns want to do. They do not want to put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands. They want to run it, and they want to run it a lot early and often with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And whatever Baker can do to supplement that running game, I think that's what they're happy to do here. So I actually would lean towards the under. It's not an official play for me whatsoever, but it makes me a little bit lower on a lot of these guys for fantasy. Don't get me wrong. I think Dak's still going to sling it around, but the amount of plays, the amount of snaps that the Cowboys are going to get in this game compared to the last couple of games, it's going to be a lot lower in my opinion here. So, um, when it comes to player props, I mean, look, I'm going to hesitate from betting any unders on this side, but it'd be interesting to see who dictates the pace and the tempo of this game. Cause if the Browns are able to establish the run, like they want to do, then you're definitely going to see an under type of game. I don't think Baker has the passing skills to be able to keep up with what the Cowboys offense has done these first few weeks here. So I haven't bet any props specifically with this game. I mean, I'm still high on Amari Cooper, you know, Gallup and Lamb. You're not going to shy away from them in fantasy, obviously. Uh, even Dalton Schultz at tight end, I think, I think is a decent streaming option this week. But um, we we all talked we talked about in our preseason podcast for fantasy that we were lower on all the pass catchers in Cleveland just because there's so many mouths to feed. They want to be a run first offense. So you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, this is the game where the Browns just put up a ton of points." I, I don't know. I don't think that's what they want to do. So if anything, I would look unders here. I haven't looked at all the numbers available for this game, but my guess uh, just based off the the research in these last couple of weeks is that this game is going to be a lot slower paced than what people think coming in. You know, I'm going to look at, at the wide receiver for Dallas. And I think that it's kind of a, a number where the sports books don't know what the hell to put out on them. And that's Cedric Wilson. Now I know Dak threw the ball 57 times last week and, and the ball, you know, obviously had to get spread around quite a bit. But you don't have any receiving yards for him on DraftKings. You don't have any receptions for him on DraftKings. But he was targeted quite a bit last week. And you could get him the score. Touchdown, Chris, at plus 350. Now, he had two touchdowns last week. So when you get a guy who puts the ball in the end zone for you, especially somebody like Dak, where Dak is looking for people to help him out, to help pad his stats, because there's one thing that Dak has in mind, and that's a monster contract. And when somebody is willing to go ahead and go out there and and play their rear ends off and go ahead and make things happen and get you into the end zone, that that makes you look good. You're going to look for that guy again. You're going to reward him in some type of way. So I don't know how many yards he's going to get. I don't know how many catches he's going to get. But I'm certainly sure that Dak's going to be looking his way in this game. And if I could get a bunch of, you know, attempts at at a Dak this game, I'm willing to bet that Wilson gets some targets down near the red zone and at plus 350. I figure why not go ahead and give that guy a shot. I mean, you got Lamb, you got Gallup, you got Cooper, you got Elliott, as you just mentioned, Dalton Schultz. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that one, but I'm always one for rewarding the guy who really helped me out when it comes to, you know, helping me out, you know, for my future. And and, uh, we've all been there in our own personal lives where somebody helped us out and was like, you know, I'm going to do a little extra for this guy, you know, when I get that chance. And I think 
you know, going up against that Browns defense, especially their secondary, that there will be some opportunity to go ahead and get Wilson maybe a couple extra looks this week. So I'll go ahead. I'll give that one out. I'm giving a lot of plus prices here for you guys. I just want to touch on that real quick. And I think for the most part, we agree on most things we're talking about here. I'm going to push back there on the Cedric Wilson because here's the one thing you got to monitor is CD Lamb. And he hasn't popped up on the injury report this week. What happened was on Sunday is, is that CD Lamb was roughed up, roughed up really bad on a big hit. I think it was in the second or third quarter. And what happened was is that he had to leave the field for a couple drives. That's when Cedric Wilson came in. So Cedric Wilson before week three didn't have a single target or catch to his name on the season. So while I do agree with you, I think they should give him more opportunity because of what he was able to produce on the field. But what I want to do for fantasy and for props is let's not think about what we think they should do. Let's think about what they actually are going to do. And a lot of times NFL coaches aren't going to do what we think they should do, even though we might be right. So in that case, if CeeDee Lamb comes into this game fully healthy, it's possible that Cedric Wilson might not even see the field. So I'm not going to rush to bet any of his props. I don't even see his numbers available, like you said. Um, here's one thing that I look for with the, with the Cowboys, and we've been pretty good with our Cowboys props. We've hit on a couple CeeDee Lamb overs. We've hit on a couple of Amari Cooper overs. What I like to look at is Gallup, Lamb, and Cooper, and where is the market setting the numbers at? Cooper, in the first couple of weeks, was priced way too close to Gallup and Lamb because as much as all those guys are great, Cooper's the number one. I think we can all agree on that. However, this week, we've got Gallup priced as the third best receiver. And I know Lamb's looked impressive, but Gallup really blew up last week, and the market has not caught up to that. All he needs is one big play, and he's third on that list. He actually is two yards lower than Lamb in this game. So I actually do like Michael Gallup over 60 and a half receiving yards because the attention is going to be on Amari Cooper number one. And I'm not sure about the rest of that offense. So when you're talking about an explosive guy with a competent quarterback, like a Gallup, like a Metcalf with Wilson and the, and the numbers right around 60, you literally could get that on one play. So that's the, where I would look in this offense. And Cedric Wilson actually ran less routes than Noah Brown last week. So obviously without lamb, they were seeming to split routes and snaps between Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. So props to Wilson. He played his ass off. He played great. Hopefully he gets more opportunity. I'm just not going to bet that in terms of how the depth chart is set up for this matchup. You know, it's not that I'll push back on you, but I will make, you know, it, it kind of goes with my DAC thing is that, you know, when somebody really helps you out and you, you know, you want to reward that guy, you know, let's not forget that you also have somebody with their play caller, their, you know, their OC and Kellen Moore that's a guy that might need help. You know, Mike McCarthy might need some help as well. I mean, things weren't going well. They weren't circling very well around Dallas. And the fact that guy came in and produced, and he could be somewhat of a decoy. You know, he could be a guy that's like, you know, sitting out there. Because when you have a Lamb and you have a Cooper and you have a Gallup and you have a Zeke, it's like, well, who the hell do we guard? Well, here comes, you know, Wilson. He's coming off the sideline. And maybe they're going to give him a couple, you know, a couple extra looks this week. I just think that that you know you, you have to reward a guy who 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 does what he did last week. Does Dallas you know do they win the game if he's not on the field? I can make the case no. So I think that that certainly that if the OC, the head coach, and and the quarterback are all looking to reward anybody in that offense, I mean it has to be that guy, and he might actually overtake you know Cooper or Gallup or or Lamb for that matter. 
um, in this offense. I think it's, you know, highly unlikely, but you know, if he goes out and he, he produces well again and plays well, I mean, how do you deny the guy anything? And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe they move him. you know, when, when the trade deadline comes, maybe there's a, a team out there that says, look, we want this guy, you know, maybe whatever, maybe they try to showcase him as much as they possibly can and get what they can out of him. And maybe he's a good trade piece, you know, later on down the road. So I don't think you want to let a guy go who had, you know, that type of an outing where you just want to let him fade off back into the bench. I think there there's something that, that Dallas can certainly do, you know, to go ahead and get some type of production or, or assets or whatever out of him. And I think in, in the same breath, I think that the head coach, the OC and, and the quarterback will at least try to go ahead and, and reward that guy for his, you know, hard performance and, and his well play from from last week. So let's go to – so that will be all I got really on that. Uh, let's talk Vikings-Texans. I don't really like this game, Chris, at all. I just don't. It stinks to me. You know, I like the Vikings early in the week. A lot of people now seem like they're shifting over to the Texans. But the line, you know, right now is starting to go a little bit towards the Vikings. I'll look for some stuff as you're talking. Maybe you can talk me into something or lead me in the right direction. What do you got? Yeah, well, the total is really high in this game, and it's because both these defenses have really struggled out of the gate. But I actually think Houston's defense could be a little bit underrated, and and McKenzie brought it up as as one of his handicaps on on the Week Four preview pod we put out earlier this week, which is Minnesota and Kirk Cousins struggling in those one p.m. time slots, and that's something that I've never really been too high on is banking on like a guy guy playing at a certain time, but obviously that trend is there for a reason. So Houston could jump out and, and really have their kind of bounce back game. Obviously both these teams are zero and three, the over under sitting at 54 right now. So one of the highest on the slate here, you got to look to both passing offenses. I mean, cook's going to do what he did. Cook's going to do what he does best. Dalvin cook. He had his blow up game last week, but you got to look to Houston and Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks. And th- these two guys are great options. And let, let's talk a little bit. We've been talking a little more props than, than fantasy on this pod so far, but let's talk about DFS and, and let's talk about Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks because I think they're an absolute smash spot. And on DraftKings, Will Fuller's coming in at 5,900, which I think he's definitely underpriced on, and Brandon Cooks at 4,500. And Will Fuller was on the injury report this week with a hamstring injury that he had to leave the game for two weeks ago with Baltimore. So, you know, you could easily see Will Fuller aggravate that hamstring and Brandon Cooks could be all that they have left. And and Cooks has been able to stay on the field this year. And and he's almost established himself now as the 1B to Fuller's 1A in this offense. I mean, look, Brandon Cooks has had at least five targets in all three games this year. He's only had one game over 23 yards. But in this game where the, you know, where the Texans are going to not be afraid to push the ball downfield, you, you got to remember the Texans open up the season against the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So they finally get to relax and have a somewhat decent matchup here. And I think they're just going to go balls to the wall and let, pretty much let Watson air it out. I really love David Johnson in this spot here, man. I, I've got David Johnson ranked in my top 12 running backs this week at ECR has him at RB 15. I've got him at RB 12. And I really do like these guys. If you want to stack in this game, uh, I I wouldn't mind stacking a Watson with maybe even Fuller and cooks and bringing it back with like Thielen and Justin Jefferson, uh, or maybe even just stacking Watson and cooks, bringing it back with Thielen, maybe throwing uh, Dalvin cook in there. I, I just think these defenses are pretty subpar 
and you're going to see these guys in fantasy really have nice spots here. So that's where I'm looking overall. Uh, you know, Thielen has been really struggling, and th- with the emergence of Justin Jefferson in week three, I think that could actually take away some of the heavy target volume that he's been seeing. Uh, so I'm not going to look to unders in this game, but but that's where I will look. I- I'm going to look towards the pass catchers in Houston. I'm going to look towards Justin Jefferson because he ha- he might not be getting the respect he deserves in the player prop market. And what I'm noticing is that Bet Online AG and the player prop builder tool here, they don't even have prop numbers out for Minnesota Houston right at this moment. So, you know, can't give you any specific numbers there. Um, but but that's where I'm I'm expecting a lot of points. Will it hit the over? I'm not sure, but I think both offenses will have pretty good days in this game here. Well, as you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, his receiving yards right now on DraftKings 48 and a half, uh Thieling 72 and a half. That that seems kind of high. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm just going to play Dalvin Cook rushing yards over. I used him, I think it was last week, and I know he'll probably be high on this week. I think one of the reasons is because the Houston rush defense is the worst in the league. Now, you had mentioned they had some tough teams that they played. Yeah, they played Kansas City. They played Hilaire. You know, he he had, you know, a pretty good game. Then they played Connor, and then they played, uh, who was it, Ingram and uh, Dobbins. Cook is the best out of out of all those guys by far. So if I have a rush defense that's just underperforming and I get by far probably their, their toughest matchup, and I think, you know, not necessarily that, that the Vikings are going to take the ball out of Cousins' hand because this total is high and both of these defenses, you know, are probably going to give up some points. I think one way or another, I think Zimmer does everything that he can to go ahead and protect you know, the Vikings when they have the ball because, you know, they've been turning the ball over as well. I think you just give it to Cook. I think you keep it safe. You keep it smart. You go up against a bad rush defense. You just give it to Cook and let him let him, let him, him cook. Um, 78 and a half rush yards. That would be the way that I look in that one. And I would go ahead. I would grab him again in, in fantasy. I think that, you know, he's, he's going to at least get you what you need. And I don't think he'll probably be overpriced yet. Now, maybe if he gets two touchdowns or something and rushes for like 130 yards and next week, I don't think he could probably use him. But this week, I think he probably can. But I'm going to use him in a player prop. I think he probably eats this week. How about Seahawks, Dolphins? Seahawks are going to go on the road here. They're a big favorite. It seems like all the wise guys, Chris, are on the Dolphins here. I don't know. I like the over in the game. I think we're going to see a lot of yards in this one, a lot of passing yards in this one. That Seattle secondary is brutal. Dolphins isn't you know all that great but there's got to be some guys you're looking at in this one because we do expect a lot of points and I think that the matchups in this one are going to be favorable to you know a lot of the wide receivers so I'll let you go and rip and run on the Seahawks Dolphins what are you thinking yeah and you're looking obviously you know the chalkier plays on the slate are obviously going to be Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett and that's for good reason right because that's that concentrated attack right there and Chris Carson's actually a game-time decision. So earlier in the week, I mean, you saw the, the, the ankle roll type of dirty dirty play that he suffered, and we were like, oh, no, Chris Carson's going to – he's going to be out for a month, two months. He might actually be back for this game. So kudos to him for the quick recovery there. It, it obviously looked worse than what it really was. Um, so we're not really looking towards Carson right now because we don't know his status yet. Um, even if he's out, I, I, people are saying more it's going to be Carlos Hyde, but I would I would actually expect without Carson for Travis Homer to be more involved than what people think, at least on passing downs. Uh, where we want to look, because we all we know the setup in Seattle, it's simple. Where we want to look is Miami. 
And the Seahawks defense, they're going to be without Jamal Adams. They have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, as I mentioned before. And Fitzpatrick should should have his way here. And, you know, we all know Fitzpatrick can have those days where he's really up or he's really down. So I wouldn't put it past him to have a really bad game and five interceptions at halftime. He's getting benched for Tua. I mean, I'm half kidding there. But Fitzpatrick, man, he has the best matchup here on, on the Sunday slate. And he's priced at 5400 I mean, he's literally he's behind Philip Rivers, he's behind Cousins, Bridgewater, Foles, Mayfield, you name it. So the fact he's so low priced makes me think that Fitzpatrick's going to be really, really high owned in DraftKings. But Devontae Parker set up for a huge game here. Uh, also, Preston Williams, who's been struggling rehabbing from his ACL injury last year. You you want to look at the slot receivers have been really tearing up the Seahawks defense as well. So a guy who many might not be familiar with his name is Isaiah Ford and right now his receiving yards total is 37 and a half and I'm definitely going to look a little more into that number there because of the way slot receivers have performed you saw Russell Gage what he did against the Seahawks for Atlanta there and you saw last week CeeDee Lamb was having a really nice day and what happened was Cedric Wilson stepped in for CeeDee Lamb like we just talked about and you saw what Wilson did so Little known Isaiah Ford outside of like well knowledge fantasy managers and be like, who the hell is that? But I'm really liking his potential here because, you know, Fitzpatrick just can't throw everything to Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. I think I got him ranked inside of my top 10 tight end. So we all know what the Seattle setup is going to be again. But toward, on the Miami side, I'm looking towards Isaiah Ford. I'm looking towards Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki because those are going to be the main guys that Fitzpatrick looks to. So expect the shootout here. The total is high, but, you know, easily could see both teams getting in the 30s in this game. I think it's all about can the Dolphins uh, keep up pace with the Seahawks in this one. You know, I do have a question for you, Chris, and it seems like the Seahawks right now, they they just have not settled on on a tight end that, that they're just going to use. I mean, you have Hollister, you have Disley, you got Olsen out there. Olsen's probably going to be, you know, their number one. But I'm expecting, like, because it seems like every week, like the Seahawks are just throwing to like 10, 12 different guys. And it's like, all right, like at some point, like that sample size has to start to shrink down. They got to concentrate like all those targets down to, you know, well, who, who are your go-to guys? Like who are the guys that are going to get you there when it comes playoff time? And I keep thinking it's Olsen and I can't find anything on him right now, but how are you feeling about Olsen? Is he, is he the number one right now? Cause I mean, they got like three different tight ends that it looks like they're trying to get the ball to like eventually like when, when, like when you see something like that, particularly when you have like three or four different options and like, when, when does it pretty much, you know, does the cream kind of rise to the top? Like when you have like multiple different options at like the tight end position? Yeah. I mean, that that's something, it's a good question, but what we've seen in the past with this offense is that there is no cream to rise to the top. They've never really had elite level talent at the tight end position and I mean, I think you got to stick with Greg Olson at this point because he has 11 targets and you look at the next tight ends, Disley has five, Hollister has three. So even if you combine Disley and Hollister together, they still have less combined targets than Olson has through three games this year. And, and let's not forget that Olson, he, he was injury riddled for quite a few years there with Carolina. But when he was healthy, man, he was really near the top of the league in terms of tight end talent. So, you know, the, the receiving yardage total isn't really where I think it's too soft of a number. It's from what I'm seeing right now, it's at 38 and a half. Um, but, but potentially, you know, over three and a half catches is something that maybe 
I would look to. I'm seeing that at plus money at plus 110 right now. So I'm definitely going to make a note of that as we're going through this game here. But, you know, I think Olsen's the guy, and you're going to see Disley and Hollister mix in. And when one of those guys is hurt, I don't even see the the volume concentrating towards one or the other. You're going to see, like, a guy like a Luke Wilson step in. And, you know, whoever they have on the depth chart, whoever they're going to call on the practice squad, they like to mix in multiple tight ends in this offense. So, if anything, I'm looking towards Greg Olsen. I mean, he has nine catches. He's averaging three catches a game so far this year. So, you're saying, oh, three and a half catches – you know, is that really a good bet? But in the two games he was actually involved in week three, he had five catches on six targets in week one. He caught all four targets for four catches. So um, that's the only way I would look there when it comes to the tight ends. And I just feel like DK Metcalf is constantly underpriced and he's at 69 and a half receiving yards. It's too, it's too low, man. I don't know why they haven't adjusted. Even last week, they, they, they opened up that number at like 62 and a half, 64 and a half. So I'm going to go right back to the well with DK Metcalf, man. 69 and a half yards against this offense? No. He put up 90 plus yards getting shadowed by Stephon Gilmore in prime time. So I'm absolutely going back to DK Metcalf, and I'm probably going to play that up to at least 74 and a half, maybe even higher than that. It's surprising for me to go ahead and like any Seattle player, but, you know, I, I got to admit that I do like DK Metcalf. He, he just looks like, I mean, after he abused Gilmore, I'm like, you know, that's a prime time player right there. Like that's a dude who's just, he's going out and he's, you know, he's swinging, man. He don't care. You know, going back to Olsen, one of the things that, that you brought up is that it was the last two games he was getting targeted. So maybe it was just a slow, you know, first game under his belt with this team. It was like, all right, we'll give him a week or whatever. I'm I'm thinking the reason why I'm, why I was thinking that Chris is because if Carson's going to be out, we know that he gets catches as well. Are you going to trust like Travis Homer in the backfield to go ahead and and start running the ball? I mean, just let Russ do what he does. You know what I mean? Just let him go ahead and throw the ball. So, no, I I think maybe the three and a half has has some value if Carson's not out there running, and it's like just let Russ go out. And one thing they're going to do, Chris, and I think this is this is for certain. I think it kind of like pissed off Seattle in a sense, but I think it's like. You and like we were just talking about with Dak before, you have to reward the guy who who does everything for you. And you know Russell Wilson's the reason why this team has won over the years. I mean, take him off the team; they, they probably don't even make the playoffs half the year. And he's just that good. If you don't let him go out in a game like this and try to throw four or five touchdowns, and I think that that that's probably going to be the mentality for Seattle: get this guy a freaking MVP already. Just let him go out there and just blow up this year. It's like, dude, do we really need to run? I think in these type of games, you let him go out and you let him go for 405 touchdowns. So I think, you know, the combination of of Carson being out, the fact that Olsen is now in his, his third full game and it looks like he's trending, you know, with more and more usage as each game goes by. And I think you certainly have to go ahead and get Russell Wilson, you know, to go ahead and get as many as many yards and as many touchdowns as he possibly can, you know, to get him an MVP because, you know, he's been slighted. So I'm not sure if you agree with, with that type of analysis, but that's kind of the way that I'm thinking. And three and a half just seems like uh, it seems like it's worth a shot. I don't know what his touchdown was. I didn't even bother to look at it. I'm guessing it's probably somewhere around four to one. But uh, let's jump to a different game here. Let's talk Chargers, Bucks. I don't like this game at all. I, I just don't. The Buccaneers are going to be minus seven. 
total 42. Chris, I'll let you go ahead and rip a run. And as you've been doing, you've been feeding me stuff. So seems like I'm dissecting pretty well. What do you got for that one? Yeah, I mentioned it on the preview pod that we put out again earlier this week. And Tampa Bay is the type of defense that likes the funnel targets and passing game volume to the running backs in a game where the Buccaneers are favored by seven points in such a low total, 42 and a half. So Vegas is not expecting Los Angeles to put up, put up many points in this game. Um, so Austin Eckler, I would look towards his catching. But the thing is, is that the numbers are extremely inflated based off the last couple of weeks. So I can find right now Austin Eckler over five and a half receptions at minus 128. They actually set the main number to over six and a half and they're giving you plus money. But, you know, I don't know if I can ever bet on a a running back, even if he's Eckler or Kamara to get seven catches in a game and have that be a good bet. So I would maybe look towards Eckler at over five and a half receptions here. Um, The receiving yards number, it's still pretty high as well. It's 62 and a half. So they're, the market is caught up with what the Chargers are doing with Herbert. Herbert's not having a problem checking down to Eckler here, um, but he is heavily targeting Keenan Allen. We saw Keenan Allen with just a ridiculous 19 targets last week. So, you know, I think that everyone knows that, that that's where the connection is. It's, it's Eckler and it's Allen, and the numbers are going to be inflated there. So what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to look towards Hunter Henry in this game. And, and the Bucks have some decent defensive backs. And Carlton Davis could slow down Keenan Allen to an extent. And Mike Williams, I, I believe, has been ruled out for this contest. So you're going to see one less receiver for Herbert to throw the ball to. And if I can get Hunter Henry right now at over four and a half catches, and even his receiving yards right now is 55 and a half. I think he's a great DFS play. Talking about DraftKings, Hunter Henry here. I mean, we're – we're talking about a guy who's only 4,600 at tight end. Uh, I think he's like, that's not even barely top 10. He's, he's behind Mike Kosicki. He's behind Darren Waller. He's behind Tyler Higby, who's just extremely overpriced. Um, that's another story for another game. But, yeah, Hunter Henry, man, you know, th- the market's already overpriced Eckler and Allen with the props. So as much as I'd love to look at look at them in fantasy this week, I don't think the numbers are soft enough to attack prop wise. If I do decide to do it, you'll see it on the article, but I'm going to really look towards Hunter Henry in this game. Who, who's competed well with those guys in terms of the targets from Herbert and against a really tough defense, you're going to need those check downs. You're going to need those short routes over the middle of the field. And Henry's going to give that there for Herbert. So if I'm looking anywhere for props, it's only going to be towards Hunter Henry in this game. And, with the Bucks, man, you know how I am with Tom Brady and that Buccaneers offense. If they're playing from ahead, they're not going to need to throw the ball. I'm, I'm shying away from every single person in that offense. I mean, Chris Godwin's out, but uh, Mike Evans has a really tough matchup against Casey Hayward here. And, you know, you're talking about a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn could get his first run of the season with no Fournette. So do they give the rookie some run from Vanderbilt and Keyshawn Vaughn? Do they put LaShawn McCoy in Fournette's role and let him be the 1B to, to Ronald Jones's 1A? Does Ronald Jones even get benched midway through this game like he seemingly does every other game? I, who knows with Bruce Arians? So I'm not betting any, anything prop-wise, even DFF-wise on the Bucks, but I will look towards the concentrated attack of Allen, Eckler, and Henry for the Chargers. You know I'm going to do, Chris? I'm going to go kind of against some of your advice here, staying away from the Tampa guys. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play, which is a little bit shocking because I said I probably won't use him at all during the year. And that's going to be Gronk 
I'll play Gronk over his receiving yards, 28 and a half. We know that Fournette's not going to be out there, so you don't have to worry about him catching any passes. He did have two targets, two catches last week. We know Godwin's not going to be out there. He had five catches. He had six targets last week. Uh, Ronald Jones is going to step in. I'm not sure if he'll get a lot of looks. I'm, he usually gets some targets, which is cool. But Gronk ended up you know, starting out the season a little bit slow, but he did have seven targets last week. He had six receptions. We know that Brady likes Gronk. We know he wants to get him integrated into this offense as well as O.J. Howard because when when Brady has two tight ends, it, it's just tough to deal with them. So I think that you know they will target Gronk in this game, and I'm not certain that Tampa Bay is going to blow out the Chargers here. I just I, I honestly just don't think that's going to happen, and the line is saying that it won't be you know that lopsided. But I think Gronk gets his looks here. He had 48 yards last week. I'm going to go ahead and I'll play Gronk over 28 and a half yards. I'm not sure how you feel about that, but I think the subtraction of, of Fournette and the subtraction of Godwin, and I know what, I think you just mentioned, were you just saying that Miller was somewhat hobbled too? So if he's hobbled, yeah. you know, you got to wonder, you got to wonder how many, how many real passing options that they have that are healthy. You know, Gronk's yeah. got to be one of them, right? hundred percent. I think that's a good call here. And you're looking at the DraftKings numbers. Unfortunately, you know, if you haven't heard it already, I live in Florida here. So I, I'm just not looking at DraftKings and FanDuel because I'm, I'm only putting out what I'm actually betting personally. And I can't bet DraftKings or FanDuel living in Florida, unfortunately. So um, Gronkowski here on BetOnline AG. And it's good. It's good to kind of compare and contrast these numbers, Lee, because a lot of our listeners might be looking in both areas. And on BetOnline AG, he's 48 and a half receiving yards. So if you're seeing 28 and a half, uh, let me Venmo you some money here because I think that could be a really good bet uh, if you're seeing that number there and it hasn't been adjusted because Gronkowski had six catches, 48 yards on seven targets last week. And that was after he put out a cryptic tweet where people were like dogging him on Twitter like, hey, you know, you're not doing anything this year. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, LOL. They just brought me into block with like a wink face. If Gronk's going to go public on Twitter with something like that then you know he's got something up his sleeve. And and that's exactly what he did in week three. And he actually emerged in that passing attack there. And like you said, Scotty Miller's questionable. He's probably going to play, but he's going to be banged up to an extent. And like I said, Mike Evans has the tough shadow matchup with Casey Hayward. So I'm not expecting big things from Evans. I have him barely ranked inside my top 25 this week. Um, so you have to look somewhere, right? And I think Rojo is going to have a decent day on the ground, but I don't think you can bet on Rojo in terms of betting your money. Maybe you can start him in fantasy, but – you know, his short leash is just so unpredictable. So, yeah, Gronkowski, if you're seeing over 28 and a half, I love that bet right there. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is that, that Evans will have – he's going to have a tough matchup. And one of the things I know about Brady is he doesn't like to go ahead and try to attack, you know, your best corner. One, because you're probably not going to get any production. But two, you know, you, you stand a pretty good chance of getting picked off. And, and he certainly doesn't want to go ahead and do that. And if Gronk is on Twitter – you know, going crazy and, and acting nuts, um, that that's not a good thing. And one of the things that we know about Gronk is, and I think you'll agree with me, Chris, when it comes to Tampa Bay in general, you know, they don't care about Gronk early in the season. He's their guy when it comes time to, you know, we need a guy to go ahead and get a catch because he's just so big, he's just so damn strong. They don't want that guy taking hits. And that's one of the reasons why he left the league. I mean, he even said it, you know, in, in multiple interviews, he, he felt beat up, he felt old. No, he took a lot of hits that, you know, over the years that just, you know, wore him down and beat him up. 
so why go ahead and, and, and you know, beat that guy up over the first couple of weeks? Right now, it's like, look, we need you. And when we don't need you, then you're going to go ahead and get your rest. But I certainly think that, uh, you know, that they, that they do need him this week. And I will we'll make note, Chris, actually, I give you the line from FanDuel because right now on DraftKings, they don't have any props up for this game. So clearly they're worried. And what's one thing about DraftKings, and I won't talk down on them, but, you know, when it comes time to going ahead and picking off props that are juicy, and as Chris talked about on Bet Online, uh, they have it lined at like 40 some. Generally, those Bet Online lines, they're just way, way, you only want to bet unders at that book. You simply can't be looking overs at that book because their lines are just way inflated. And a lot of times they'll just put out bad lines, hoping that somebody bets, you know, bets the over. And when you start banging the unders, they'll just limit you. They won't let you put too much money on that, knowing that you're betting into, you know, kind of a bad line. They'll be like, all right, this guy, you know, he's trying to hammer this for, you know, a couple hundred bucks. We're going to give him $20 limit. Uh, they're not stupid. They, you know, they know what they do. This is what they do for a living. But um, as I mentioned, Chris, that line was at FanDuel 28 and a half for Gronk. But the fact that your book on Ben Online saying 48 and a half, um, Again, I, I, I think that that is a pretty decent wager. And I think we, you know, talked ourselves kind of into that one. But I think we talked ourselves into a, a rather solid handicap. Next game up here, Steelers-Titans. That game won't be played. I believe that one, Chris, I saw this morning, I think is going to be rescheduled for October the 25th. So we don't have Steelers. We don't have Titans. But we do have the Ravens and the Redskins. Now, this game, Chris, I think this one will be rather lopsided. The Ravens are coming off of a, a rear-end beating. And they just look bad. And I don't think the Redskins can go ahead and, and make them look bad in this game. Chase Young won't be out there running around chasing Lamar Miller. Or Lamar Miller. Listen to me. Lamar Jackson. Is Lamar Miller even playing? And somebody pick him up on our – He just got signed from the Bears this week. <laughs> I was going to say, I think I thought somebody – I thought I saw somebody in our fantasy league had picked up Lamar Miller. Yeah, they did. Yeah, he was just picked up today in our Betting Predators listener league, 20-team league he was picked up. Now that I'm saying that, he's probably going to end up with a bunch of touches or something from out of nowhere and kill, kill anything with Montgomery. But the Ravens will be a two-TD favorite here. We have a total of 45. This, this total has dropped uh, significantly. What do you think of for this Ravens-Redskins one? Oh, not, not anywhere I'm going to be looking prop-wise for this game, man. Uh, you know, I think you're going to play Lamar Jackson with confidence. And I think when you're talking – let's talk a little DFS here is that, you know, Lamar Jackson has let DFS players down these last few weeks, which means that people are not going to be as high as him in terms of ownership, especially when he's still the number one price quarterback on the slate. Lamar Jackson coming in at $8,100. Um, so this is a game where obviously the Redskins could just literally be up 28 to nothing at halftime. So, you know, can Lamar really even throw for that much if they get ahead so quickly here? I mean, his passing yards total. I mean, look, I'm more on the side of like Lamar can't throw. I mean, I'm obviously exaggerating that a little bit, but I honestly think just personally from watching the games, that's why the Ravens lose in the playoffs is because when he really needs to make tough throws, he just can't do it. I'm not taking away from his talent here. It's just, you know, kind of what I think most of us see. However, we're talking about a regular season game against the Washington football team. I think Lamar can throw in a matchup like this. And the fact his passing yards number is only 212 and a half. This could be a personal type of game where he's like, look, you're dogging me after I threw for what, 90 yards on Monday Night Football against the Chiefs? Like, 
I'm going to throw it all over this Washington football team defense and you're going to respect me. You're going to put some respect on my name again. So originally I was looking towards the rushing yards total and I don't know what you're seeing at FanDuel or DraftKings, but bet online, like you said, they've inflated that rushing yards total to 65 and a half. So I'm not going anywhere near that. That's just way too high for me, but I do like the kind of narrative there talking about over on the passing yards 212 and a half is pretty low. Nothing on Washington secondary scares me here. Uh, but what I will not bet is I will not bet any of the individual Ravens because it's just one of those offenses, again, like a Cleveland, where they just like to spread the ball around. There's too many mouths to feed, and there are no strong bets for usage. Like It could be Marquise Brown one week. It could be Mark Andrews the next week. And that's what we've seen from Baltimore ever since Lamar Jackson's been their QB. So the only way I'm looking there is Lamar over on the passing yards, and man, I think I'm putting Lamar in my in my DraftKings lineup this weekend, whether it's a cash game or a GPP, because the the the, the floor is obviously always there with his rushing, but the ceiling in this matchup in a bounce back get right spot, the ceiling could be enormous. So give me all the Lamar in DFS this weekend. Yeah, I love that, Chris. It all makes perfect sense. They do have a lot of mouths to feed. I mean, you got guys out there like Dobbins, you got Gus Edwards. I mean, we can go on and on. We can go down the list of guys, but that is low, and you know he wants to come back off of a 97-yard outing. Where does his MVP stock go? It has to plummet. And the only thing to go ahead and get him back in that conversation and the only thing to go ahead and probably get his confidence back is just to sling it all over. Let's just say his completion percentage is low in this game. If you let him go out and throw the ball 45 times in this game, he's going to complete enough passes in this game. And without Chase Young out there chasing him around, you know, to go, going ahead and forcing him to run, I think he's going to end up with it with a good passing game as well. Now, I wasn't really thinking about that, but the more I think about it, you know, I think he probably goes out and has a, has a really good game, a bounce back effort, and maybe it's one of those games where it's just let's silence the critics because does anybody really care if he rushes for a hundred yards, maybe in a rushing touchdown? Nobody really cares about that because, as you said, Chris, when it's crunch time he needs to go ahead and be able to deliver the football through the air. And he has plenty of mouths to feed. And I think that at least, you know, for this particular game, that there are going to be a decent amount of matchups where, you know, he can go ahead and exploit that. The only concern I would have, you know, with, with Lamar is the fact that, you know, they are two touchdown favorites. Do they end up running the score up? I Maybe they will, you know, maybe they will because of just how poor they, you know, they got blown out last week. Maybe they look to go ahead and, and kind of, you know, blow somebody out this week. So maybe you see them, you know, with 45 points on the board this week and, you know, maybe they were throwing it, you know, all three quarters and maybe that and Lamar gets his, you know, and it's not like Hollywood Brown can't go ahead and break off a 70 or an 80 yarder. I mean, it only takes a couple of those big catches. Willie Sneed, there's another guy, you know, that could break off some big, big catches. So uh, I, I agree here with you, Chris. I like that one. That would probably be the only thing I would play in that one. I want no part of, Going up, you know, taking a Washington guy right now, going up against that Ravens defense, you know they're going to be freaking salty. How about the Giants at the Rams, Chris? Another big favorite here. Rams are going to be minus 13 and a half. Total sitting around 48. Uh, I agreed with Dan, and it was on Henderson. Henderson rush yards over. I'm not sure how you feel about that or what you thought about that on the podcast, if you had a chance to touch on that. But I will go ahead and, and uh, side with Dan Rivera on that one. Why don't you go ahead and, get, and give me your handicap on that, Chris, and then you can go ahead and talk DFS for uh, for that game. 
Yeah, I mean, the the reason why I didn't have an opinion at the time because it was uncertain whether or not Cam Akers was going to play, but he's been ruled out in this ball game here. And and the number I'm seeing for Henderson is over 66 and a half rushing yards. And I really like that play because I think when Dan gave it out at the time, it was like around 70, which I, I would probably like this number up to about 72 and a half, maybe close to 75. I don't want to get too high off the number here. Um, but you know, Henderson's the guy and look, he's still going to split snaps. He, he split snaps, literally 50, 50. He had 50% of the snaps on Sunday in week three, Malcolm Brown had 48% of the snaps. What you're seeing is, is they're feeding Henderson the rock and Malcolm Brown's doing a lot more blocking than Daryl Henderson is. And look, Henderson had the pedigree coming out of college. He was a high draft pick. He was a superstar at Memphis. I loved him as a talent coming into the NFL and, you know, it took him a little longer to kind of get his opportunity and his due, so to speak, but he's getting it now. And I think you're looking at even the receiving yards for Henderson is 13 and a half. I, I just think Henderson, this is, this is like a smash spot for him where he can really kind of continue to prove his case to be in the number one running back, even when Cam Akers comes back into this lineup. So, you know, receiving yards, I'm looking there because the number is just so low. One catch from him, he could easily clear that. And 66 and a half is way too low as well. So, you know, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, I've got them both ranked inside the top 20 this week. But this is another case like we just talked about with the Ravens is that, you know, the Rams are almost two touchdown favorites here. And they could get so far ahead so fast that they might just not need to throw the ball all that much in this ball game. So I'm, I'm going to like lay off those guys for, for DFS purposes, but Henderson, I'm going to gravitate towards because he could wind up getting a ton of carries, a ton of work in the passing game and the rushing game here. So um, yeah, that, that's, I think that that's Dan made the right call there. And the fact that numbers haven't moved in a certain way, it just makes me like this prop even more because, you know, maybe just the books forgot to adjust it up higher than it should be. Henderson has the talent. I think he's here to stay at least until Cam Akers is back on the field. Well, at least that's some positive comments for that. I will note one thing with Dan, with his number that he gave out, you know, we do the podcast on Wednesday night and Dan, he tries to give out projections as we all do when it comes to player props. And we do a pretty decent job of getting close to the number. And I believe Dan gave out a buy price for that one. I think it was like 75 and a half, Chris. I'm not 100% sure, but I think 75 and a half. But if you guys are listening to this podcast and you're still listening, this is the one you want to listen to when it comes to player props and DFS. You know, Chris and I, we only have so much time. And without us having actual numbers for player props, it's really hard when we do our week, you know, our week, week, our week to week NFL podcast to go ahead and talk a ton of DFS, to go ahead and talk a ton of player props. We're already an hour into this podcast and me and Chris could probably talk for, you know, another three hours. And that's one of the reasons why he's such a benefit because I could say, Hey, you want to talk fantasy football? And he's just a junkie when it comes to fantasy football, he's going to do a podcast. So it's easy to go and get the information out of him because he loves to talk. So it's like, this is the one that you want when it comes to DFS and it comes to player prop. This is the podcast you want more because we have the numbers and Chris is starting to fine tune. Uh, come Wednesday, Chris, I don't think you have your projections 100%. Like you're actually, you know, you're moving them around day by day because the injury news is coming in and a lot of the game plan stuff's coming out. So like, why don't you talk a little bit about the difference from, you know, our Wednesday podcast, which is our most listened to, you know, to this podcast, which when it comes to player props and DFS, I, I would, I think you would easily agree with me 
this is the one that you certainly want to listen to when it comes to that particular information. Yeah, because you're going to hear us going back and forth and breaking down our handicaps from a betting perspective and from a fantasy perspective. And it's going to be directly related to your season season long start sit questions. It's going to be directly related to what should my DFS lineup be for this week, whether it's a cash game lineup or a tournament lineup. And it's going to be our thoughts, just putting it all out on paper. And you and I aren't even setting our DFS lineups until most likely Saturday night because we're still waiting on certain injury news to come through. And that's what you got to do. And that's when it comes to the props too, is like you're going to project your lines early in the week. And look, we do our recap pod every Sunday night. We get our initial thoughts out on the table. What what are the injuries that happen? What, what are the relevant things that happened in these games here? And then we put on our preview podcast. And what I'm going to do personally on the preview pod is if there are Thursday night props to focus on, because we will have those numbers by the time we record, I will put out as many as I can. I'm not, I'm not going to put out more than I should because I'm only going to put out things that I'm betting personally. So we did do well. We went 3-0 and on the Thursday night props this past week. And I threw in an extra one on Twitter and that one won as well. So we had a nice little sweep Thursday night. But, um, you know, I haven't, I haven't bet any Sunday props yet. And I might have missed out on a few numbers, Sleepy. But look, we all have day jobs here. And the fact is, these numbers were never even available until just today on Friday. So I'm just getting around to looking at the numbers. But I already have my fantasy rankings done and updated up to this point. I'm looking through injuries. I'm going to be continuing to update the rankings with injury news throughout tomorrow and throughout Sunday morning. So we do our live stream Sunday morning on Twitter as well. So this is just a constant progression in terms of what is the process, Sleepy? You're never going to get 100% of your bets right. I'm never going to get 100% of my prop props right. But you have to trust the process. And if you put in the work, like Uncle Dave says, like you're going to yield the results over time in a positive way. So that's just kind of in a nutshell of like how we go through these podcasts every week. You can check out the fantasy rankings specifically for start sit questions. And we're going to put out the props article probably late Saturday night and you'll have all Saturday night and Sunday to look at it. So, you know, that's what we're doing. We're being realistic with everything we talk about and everything we do here. And I, and I think that's going to be a value in the end towards the listeners and the readers of, of what we have going on at betting predators right now. One of the podcasts you didn't even mention, Chris, was our Sunday NFL line move, which is like almost right up to kickoff, like within like an hour. And that's really where, you know, Chris and I kind of, you know, we're either going to tell you that, you know, we we really, really like this one or we or we don't. And, you know, on Wednesday when we're giving stuff out, you know, there's one major factor that that you can't really, you know, go ahead and pinpoint. And that's weather. So right now it's like, OK, cool. But come Sunday. You know, a lot of we're going to end up smoothing it out for you, which I think that, you know, Chris and I and all the guys on our podcast, you know, we give you stuff on Wednesday. We're giving you stuff throughout the week where you have articles you can read on bettingpredators.com. And then when Chris and I do have the time, Friday night we do this and then Saturday we're doing that. And then Sunday we do our, you know, we do the recap pod. We do the line move. So you guys should at least if you're following throughout the week, you know, and one of the easiest things is, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed, do that. Because Chris, you know, you guys are going to get alerted to every podcast, but you're also going to get alerted to, you know, all the, all the articles that come up. Jay Smoove's going through each and every game. Mackenzie's going to start contributing a little bit. Uh, I put out some stuff where it's more, you know, conspiracy theory type crap. But, I mean, there's a lot of information that you guys can get just by following the Betting Predators podcast and bettingpredators.com where come kickoff on Sunday, you should be freaking feeling comfortable, feeling confident that – you got all the crap out of the way with the injuries, with, you know, the handicaps, with the weather, 
anything. You guys should have it all pretty much covered. You should feel comfortable. And to be quite honest, I don't I, I don't know really anybody who is going into fantasy and player props when it comes to betting uh, anybody better than us right now. So, uh, you know, we, we put our we put our rear ends on the line each and every week. You know, we give out this information because we could easily just not do it and keep it and, you know, make a bunch of money. But it makes no sense, you know, to not share this information. And you guys are getting it all for free. So, Chris, why don't we go ahead and we appreciate, you know, you guys listening and chiming in, retweeting the podcast and being super support supportive. That's one of the reasons why we love doing this, because you guys are, you know, you guys are awesome. But, Chris, let's jump over to the game of the the game of the week here. Patriots, Chiefs, Chiefs minus seven, high total on this one again, 52 and a half. I have some particular dots in this one. I have a feeling that the diehard people, somebody like a Dan Rivera who's deep into the stats, is going to agree with the, with a lot that I'm going to have to say. But I'm going to throw it to you first here, Chris. Patch Chiefs, what do you got? Yeah, and it's funny, out of all the players we could talk about here, the one guy that jumps out to me most in terms of DFS and prop betting is Julian Edelman. And, and you might be like, why? Like Cam Newton, yeah, he can throw the ball okay. He's mostly going to run it. But when Cam Newton's pressed to throw the ball, he's going to need to keep up with the Chiefs in this ball game. And, you know, unfortunately, the props are a little bit limited right now in terms of what I'm seeing. But if you're seeing Julian Edelman below 65, even below 70 yards, I would definitely look to play the over on his prop here. So I don't know, Sleepy, you can jump in after I'm done here and tell me what you're seeing on FanDuel or DraftKings. But the fact is, is that Cam Newton, when he has to throw, he's either throwing it to Nikhil Harry or Julian Edelman. They're getting they're, they're getting about 50% of the targets from Cam Newton in this offense through three weeks. And you know what the funny thing is, is that they're actually using Nikhil Harry in the slot, and they're actually moving Julian Edelman out wide. They're using him as more of like an intermediate to deep threat down the field. And Cam Newton's actually found him pretty well. You know, what's crazy, a stat that I just found out this week is I know Julian Edelman had a huge week in week two where I believe he had like 120-something yards. That was his career high in receiving yards. Talking about a former Super Bowl MVP who's played numerous years with Tom Brady, and he just had his career high in receiving yards for Cam Newton in a game against the Seahawks in primetime. I expect a very similar game script here against the Chiefs to where the Cam Newton's going to have to throw and New England's offense is going to have to keep up. And that's why I'm looking towards Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. Now, on the Chiefs side of things, it's where another situation where Mahomes is so freaking good, he's going to spread the ball around. And I don't know if any of those numbers are going to be soft enough to attack, especially when Tyree Kill is facing uh, Stephon Gilmore. And we saw, you know, Gilmore can be beat. He, he's not invincible by any means, but I'm not going to look to play an over unless it's extremely low. And I think Tyree Kill is still going to be priced at a number to where it's just going to be probably a little bit too high for me to want to place an over on. Like, you know, 66 and a half, he could easily beat it. But then at the same time, Patrick Mahomes still could check down to Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the passing game and Travis Kelsey all day, even Sammy Watkins running those intermediate routes. So the two things that jump out to me prop-wise are Nikhil Harry and Julian Edelman. And, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a top 10 running back this week for a reason. Cam Newton, I think, is going to run the ball a lot as well. Uh, the only question is, is you know, who's going to control the pace in this game? And if, if Kansas City's controlling the pace, that means New England's going to have to throw the ball. And I, I actually like Kansas City's defense as a sleeper type of DFS play because they can get pressure on the quarterback. And if you can force Cam Newton to throw the ball under pressure, he might slip up once or twice. So if Kansas City can control the pace, play from ahead, I think their defense could be a sneaky DFS option. And, and that's kind of where I'm looking in this game. 
All right, let me give you my handicap for a really good pro, a really good plus price in this one. And it's going to be Patrick Mahomes to go ahead and rush for a TD. And you can get like four to one on that. And let me give you the reason why I believe that this prop has a very good chance to go ahead and cash. We know that Baltimore's defense is good. Now, Mahomes had a rushing TD last week. And it's been kind of one of those things where it's just been a thorn in my side where I'm looking at Russ Wilson, I'm looking at Mahomes, and I'm like, what are the odds these guys go in and score? And I don't add them to, I've been playing particular player props where I'm taking guys to score that I'm looking at. Like I have a list of guys and I'll be like, okay, I think these guys can score. And what I'm doing is I'm parlaying them together. And these are like jumbo payouts. And I've hit a few, but who's killed me are the quarterbacks. And I haven't put any of them in there. But let me tell you why I'm going to put Patrick Mahomes in to go ahead and score. I watched something today on call-in. And I think it was a former giant running back, Rashard Higgins. I believe that might be who it was, or maybe it was Jennings. It was somebody, and you guys can go and find that. It was on the show today. And he talked about Kansas City's offense and something that they're able to do that he hasn't seen since maybe Dan Marino, I believe he said. And it's where the pocket, it's where Mahomes moves and the pocket moves in the direction. Like the plays are actually are actually scripted out for him to roll to the right or roll to the left, and the offensive line rolls with him. Well, what that does is it's providing protection. It's pro- providing coverage in front of him. So he can do whatever he wants at that particular moment. Now, the reason why I really like this is because we know that the New England secondary is tough. There's, they're going to play sticky coverage, and they've been abused already this season. And one of the things Belichick's going to try to do is take away your passing options from burning you. If the Chiefs can go ahead and rotate that pocket when they're down in the red zone and provide, you know, extra lanes and and more, you know, blocking for Mahomes, don't be shocked if he runs because he has to because that secondary for New England is so sticky. I like that one at, at like four to one. I think you can get like plus three fifty. You probably get like you know, like you know five hundred or uh, five to one on that one. So I'm going to give you guys that because I don't know which way to go in that game. But I, I've been burned by quarterback scoring, and I think that this is a perfect situation for Mahomes to go ahead and score a TD. So Chris, I don't know what you think about that, but that's what I saw today. So I'm actually going to take something from the media, which I very rarely, rarely do and use that in my handicap because it made perfect sense. And I saw the video of them doing it, and I'm like, I need to go ahead and remember that and touch on that and find something with Mahomes to score a TD again. Yeah, Sleepy, I mean, I think it's a good handicap and breakdown from where you're bringing it from, but you know, t- I'm going to leave that in your wheelhouse here because touchdowns is something that I just can't bet on. It's just not in my DNA in terms of the process I go through. Um, I go through, I think it's how I look at it is that like with the touchdowns, players being due, players being in good spot for touchdowns, I'm always looking to like look for guys to trade for in fantasy in terms of buy low opportunities where a guy like a DJ Moore, like we talked about, could be getting a lot of targets and yards, but he's not scoring touchdowns. He might be disappointing fantasy managers. Then I'm going to look to buy low. Maybe I have a Juju Smith-Schuster on my team who scored a lot of touchdowns already, but his targets aren't very high. And his yardage isn't very high. So I'm going to look to sell him high. Uh, and, and that's how I look at it when it comes to touchdowns. I don't bet the touchdown props myself, but obviously 
Mahomes dictates this offense either way. And, you know, whether he's going to find the fullback in the end zone, whether he's going to throw it to Hill, he might even throw it to the backup tight end in this game. So when you're looking towards Mahomes touchdown props, I think he's one of the safer bets you can get in that aspect here. And I, I just don't know, Sleepy, you tell me, but I really like the Chiefs last week on Monday night, you know, getting three against the Ravens or even three and a half. And I just don't think people are pricing the Chiefs right because you still have Belichick coming in. You have Cam Newton coming in here. But, man, have we really adjusted the price appropriately yet for the Kansas City Chiefs? Should they be more than seven-point favorites against New England? I know that kind of sounds crazy, but they they just might be that damn good. And they might not be one of those teams that's going to have a letdown, period. So they they just might be on a freaking mission to win back-to-back Super Bowls. And, and they're going to buck every single type of spot trend we're talking about when it comes to handicapping here. So that's pretty much all I got in Mahomes and the Chiefs there. I'm just just very impressed with what they've done through three weeks coming off the Super Bowl last year this season. Yeah, you make you make a lot of good points there, and you touched on a few things. One I'll, I'll touch on, it, and it goes back to something that Uncle Dave says about, is he said that these guys might be just too young and too dumb to go ahead and realize that like they could repeat again. And it's like, they're just, you know, it's just, they're in that, they're not satisfied. It's like, we're, they're just too young. And it's just like, let's just go out and do our thing. And there's really nothing holding them back. Personally, Chris, I think with the, with this Chiefs team, and I think we're going to see it again this week, is they're clearing above the best team in the AFC. Not only that, they're clearing above the best team probably in the league. But they're a lot better than New England. I understand New England could play teams tough and this, that, and the other, but if New England's going to get exposed, it's going to be in this game, and I think that they will. And last week I tried to be a wise ass because I'll say it that way because I thought I was trying to be a wise guy going ahead taking the Ravens, and I was completely wrong. And when I saw both teams on the football field, I'm like, there's no way in hell you can go ahead and bet against Mahomes. Just don't do it. And I think it's going to end up being, Chris, like a similar situation to where you didn't bet against Belichick because all they did was cover the number. And I think it's it's going to kind of transfer over to, you know, Mahomes. Don't bet against that guy because he's going to cover the number. And you're going to think that you're getting one result before the game starts, like everybody thought last week, where they were dogs. And then you end up with a completely different outcome where they blow the doors off somebody. And then it was like everybody was wrong on that game. At least the odds makers, they were all wrong on that game. And a lot of the betters, you know, were right because a lot of the betters were like, no, no, the Chiefs are, are the better team. So um, I was completely wrong. I, I tried to be a wise guy last week. It backfired against me. And um, I don't know. I like my handicap. I like, I like, um, I like Mahomes going to get a touchdown. But yeah, that team is damn good. And they're going to beat a lot of people up. And I wouldn't be surprised if they repeat. I mean, you can probably get them, I think, right now, Chris, like 4-1 to one to go in and win the title. I mean, it's going to take Mahomes going out with the injury. I mean, they, they could probably still get it done. You know, subtract Hill or subtract Kelsey. Maybe even Clyde edwards Hilaire. I mean, you know, su- subtract one of those guys off this roster. They probably still get it done just because Mahomes is that damn good. Yeah. All right. Um, what we got left here? We only, oh, we only got one left. All right, we got the Bills and the Raiders, Chris. You know how high I am on the Bills. They're going to be minus three here, total 53. They're expecting a lot of points. Do we just go ahead and just play Allen in this one? I mean, I have to expect him to go ahead and light up the air um, at some point. And I think we, you and I have talked about this. You know, with, with 
you know, trying to keep him upright and trying to keep him healthy, you know, use him when you need to use him running the ball. And he ran a lot last year, but I think that they're going to try to pull him back a little bit because now they have some weapons and there is, you know, another year under his belt. But I think Allen might be a strong play. Maybe, maybe, you know, his usage for a lot of people, maybe his, you know, they're just going to end up, just, you know, going and taking him this week. So maybe his ownership is like way too high. But what do you think about Allen? Am I right? Because he was the guy I was thinking about going in and taking for, for QB this week. Yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's he's in the running every week to be the number one quarterback in fantasy. I've got him right now at quarterback two overall. I've got him one spot behind Russell Wilson. Uh, but, you know, what's funny is that the expert consensus rankings, the ECR I always mention, they've got him QB five. And I think that's just way too low because there is simply not a quarterback that has – commands such a high percentage of the team's passing game and rushing game compared to Josh Allen. He's just another version of Lamar Jackson. And I think, you know, call me crazy, but I'm telling you, man, Josh Allen throws the ball better than Lamar Jackson. And I even thought that to an extent last year as well. It's just the coaching staff and the setup with the defense was probably more in Lamar's favor last year. And Lamar is a better pure runner to where he's going to face sometimes softer secondary. So that all goes to say that Josh Allen is a great play. And as much as he's been tearing it up, I still wouldn't even call him a sell high because he's, he's going to be the team's goal line back. He's a bigger body than Lamar. And now he's opening it up downfield with guys like Stefan Diggs. I've got Stefan Diggs ranked within my top 12 receivers. And that's even lower than consensus consensus this week has him at Diggs at number 10 overall. So, um, you know, the only the, the actually the main prop I'm looking at here is that Buffalo has Tredavious White on the outside. So who's going to play that outside wide receiver role for for the bill uh, for the Raiders this week? And Ruggs is out. Brian Edwards is out. So they're going to be playing basically Nelson Aguilar and Zay Jones on the outside. And I'm guessing that Tredavious White will shadow whoever is there. But Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro are going to be there over the middle of the field. And actually, when you've seen Hunter Renfro placed into situations where he has to play more snaps and be more involved, he's actually been extremely efficient in this offense. You saw last week against New England, Hunter Renfro saw a team-high nine targets. Sleepy, no one had more than four targets last week for the Raiders. Hunter Renfro had nine. He had literally more than double any of his teammates and we even talked about Darren Waller had four targets. So obviously, the Patriots tried to shut Waller down. Okay, Henry Renfro had six catches for 84 yards. And the over-under on his receiving yards this week is 61 and a half. So I'm really liking. That's something I've been looking towards all week is what Henry Renfro's number is going to be. I've got him ranked at close to a top 30 receiver in fantasy this week, which doesn't sound all too great. But if he's a top 30, it means he should find his way into your flex if you have question marks in your lineup. So give me Hunter Renfro, 61 and a half. We bet this as a double dip prop last week where we took Cooper Cup as the slot man against the against the, uh, against the Bills because we knew Tredavious White was going to be on Robert Woods. So again, I'm going to the same thing, is that Robert Woods is on the outside receiver. The slot is going to tear up the Bills like the slot has been doing all year, and Hunter Renfro is playing in the slot. So let's keep things simple. Let's go to Hunter Renfro over 61 and a half. I actually do think he has upside as a DFS play. He's extremely cheap this week. Uh, I believe on DraftKings, Hunter Renfro is, let's 
let's see here. Hunter Renfro is 4,600. So low own option, I think, regardless of the matchup here. And I would not shy away from Darren Waller either. Darren Waller is more expensive. He's 5,200 out of your tight ends. He's in the top five in terms of pricing, but I think he could be very low owned because he burned people last week against New England, but he's not facing New England again this week. So as much as I like Waller, I love Renfro. He's the only guy I'm targeting right now for props and for DFS plays in this game. I would consider Renfro for sure, and I would also consider Waller, but I would look at them probably for receptions. You can get both of them at five and a half. And as you just mentioned, I mean, they're, they're extremely you know limited with their wide receiver options right now. I think the question you have to ask yourself, are the Bills going to give up, you know, a bunch of rushing yards in this game? And if they are, well, then, you know, obviously you want to look towards Jacobs. But I don't know if the Bills are going to give up a lot of rushing yards this season. Uh, or <clears throat> I don't know if the Bills are going to give up a lot of rushing yards in this particular game. Um, I, I just have a feeling that, that they go back to Waller because he was shut down, you know, in the last game. And it was like, all right, well, that's what happens to you when you don't get, you know, your best you know, probably your best option, the ball. And they just got hurt in that game. So right now, Buffalo Bills rushing defense is ranked like seventh in the league. So they're not giving up a whole lot, just a touch over 100 yards. And if Jacob starts, you know, going ahead and, and, you know, not being able to go ahead and get his yardage and the Bills start putting up points, well, then you end up with, with Carr having to go ahead and throw the ball in that game. And I think that, as you had mentioned, you know, the Bills haven't been that good against the slot. So Renfro obviously is an option. I think they certainly go back to Waller. And we saw what, you know, Waller and, and Carr did when they went ahead and they played, you know, the Saints. I mean, they abused, you know, that team with that guy. So I think that they go back to one. Of, I don't I don't think that, that we lose both, Chris, but I think five and a half receptions, one of those guys gets to six at some point in this game. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree with that? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I, th- those are going to be the two guys here in this offense, and, and I just don't trust them targeting Jacobs out of the backfield as much as I think he's a capable pass catcher. Um, and, and when you look at the other side, Sleepy, I mean, Stephon Diggs, the, the fact that you can get him plus money right now on Bet Online AG for over five and a half catches at plus 117, I, th- that's a prop I definitely could be looking for for the official Betting Predators prop article this weekend. I mean – Stephon Diggs, let, let, let's not get it twisted, man. He, he's been absolutely tearing it up. And, and John Brown was banged up, and he's been questionable all week. It's looking like he's going to play. And they obviously still have Cole Beasley in the slot over there. But no no one's been able to slow down Stephon Diggs. And the Raiders have nobody to slow down Stephon Diggs. And we know Josh Allen loves to chuck it up deep downfield, and they're letting him do that. And the fact that now they have John Brown on one side and Diggs on the other side – you have to respect the deep threats for the Bills so far. So I, I just really like going to Diggs as a DFS play because his ceiling is so massive. He could literally catch two 80-yard passes for touchdowns just in one game alone. You've seen him do it before, even with Kirk Cousins and, and quarterbacks like Case Keenum in the past. So um, you know th- that's where I'm looking and it's, when it comes to the Bills side of things. Singletary is up in the air because Zach Moss is questionable. He might be a game time decision. We're not sure of what his official status is going to be so far, but look, man, through three games, Stefan Diggs has 20 catches on 28 targets. So let's not get it twisted here, man. He's, he's heavily involved in this offense. Last week, he had a little bit of a down game, only four catches for 49 yards, but let's not forget last week he was lining up against Jalen freaking Ramsey 
He's got no Jalen Ramsey to cover him in this game. He's going over five and a half catches. That that that's definitely out of the whole podcast we've done here, Sleepy. We're going back and forth. We're getting our thoughts out on paper here. I at plus money, plus one seventeen. Digs over five and a half. I'm probably going to bet that right now before we even wrap up this podcast here. And we know how good Diggs is. I mean, we've seen him go, you know, off multiple times, and and he's getting the ball from Chris Cut or listen to me, Chris Cousins. He's getting the ball from Kirk Cousins now. He's getting the ball from from Allen. And I'll, and I will bring up something that you just said when you talked about, you know, Allen. He probably and I'll put him up against any guy in the league. You want to talk about arm strength? That dude is a monster. He probably has the 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 strongest arm in the league. I mean, I'll put any guy up against him. And if Diggs get if Diggs gets behind you, it, it's a lights out. And there's only a matter of time before Diggs ends up, you know, connecting with you know multiple big catches where he goes off for like 200 and some yards in a game, two TDs. That game's coming, and this could be that game. So I wouldn't be shocked if they go ahead and they showcase um, both guys in this particular game. But that's it, Chris. That's it for the podcast. We went through every single game. I think we touched on every player. Uh, We didn't touch on any alignment, but we did touch on pretty much every player in this one. Um, I'll be honest with you, Chris. This has been my favorite podcast that I've done in probably a year. Um, This is what we need to do. This is where we need to be when it gets time. I know it's, well, it's 3.43 a.m. in the morning on the East Coast, but when you and I could sit on a podcast and and I can pick your brain from a betting perspective and you could just listen to me from a betting perspective and, and think about it from a fantasy perspective, you know, we could put both of those things together. And yeah, people are making money betting, but they're also making money in their fantasy. And I'm already sitting here thinking about, you know, loading up on fantasy teams and I'm starting to think about more props that we could sit here and talk for three hours. So I'm just sitting here jotting down, you know, all this crap that I have. So it's like, well, now I got all this cool stuff that I could do after I get off this podcast with you. Cause I could start plugging in bets and, and plugging in lineups. So uh, this has been the most enjoyable podcast that I've done in a long, long time. And it shows, you know, the depth that we can get to, in just an hour and a half where we covered every game and I'm sure, you know, we can go, you know, much, much deeper, but I think our listeners are going to enjoy this one. And if you guys are listening to this, um, I'm encouraging myself and Chris to go ahead and do the same thing next week uh, because I know that you guys are going to benefit in some way, shape or form, and you're going to make money off of this particular podcast. Um, if anybody wants to take that, cause I didn't write down all the bets here and everything if somebody wants to go ahead and listen to it and if dan listens to this maybe he'll do it but write down all the bets that chris and i had uh, for this particular podcast and i'd be willing to bet that we come out with a plus because of how we just broke this podcast down and i've done this before with uncle dave where we went through and we did this in in uh baseball where we sat and we talked and we dissected everything and we talked it over and we and we eventually push back on each other a little bit and it was like yeah we agree and we found stuff and we found stuff earlier in the week and then we continuously kept talking about it and as i had mentioned you certainly want to go ahead and subscribe you want to listen to the podcast but on sunday you know chris and i are probably going to even be stronger on some of the stuff that we discovered throughout this podcast and you guys will get that so if you're only listening to the end for best bets uh you definitely want to go ahead and listen to sunday because you're probably going to get some really good stuff but Chris, big thanks to you. I hope you had fun on this one. I know we went a little bit long. I know it's a little bit late, but I have a feeling that this was kind of the podcast me and you 
needed to do um, in order to see, you know, which direction we can go, you know, yeah. over the course of the rest of this season. Yeah, Sleepy, 100%, and you're going to wrap it up here. But like I said, and we've, we've both mentioned in this podcast, make sure to go to bettingpredators.com. If you just click on any article on the homepage or on the articles page, scroll to the bottom of that article. You'll see an email address section. Just put in your email, hit subscribe, which means you'll automatically get an email alert every single time we put out a new article on the site. And this is a process podcast. Like we're talking about the process we do. We're giving you a, a deep dive kind of introduction to that. And we're doing that all week, but this specifically is about props. It's about fantasy and you're going to get some betting nuggets throughout it as well. So, you know, I, you don't just want to tail the picks and just follow the picks all the time. You really want to dive deep into the process so you can start making your own handicaps. And I think that's the best value we're going to provide here. So again, bettingpredators.com, all of our podcast links are there. Go to the bottom of any article and your email, hit subscribe. You'll get an alert every single time we drop a new piece. And you mentioned Smooth. Smooth, ha Smooth has his matchups breakdown piece. He's literally writing a PFF data type of article breakdown, one paragraph for each and every game each and every game on the NFL slate this weekend. And he's going to be doing that every single week. It's an awesome piece. Go check it out right now. You'll see it in the pregame.com forums. It's listed there also. So you're just going to get tons of stuff. Subscribe to the website, subscribe to the pod. We're going to keep trying to find, keep trying to find ways to give you as much value each and every time you listen, each and every time you read. And my official prop plays article will be out by late Sunday night. I'll be putting together all my final picks tomorrow and probably adding a few new ones Sunday morning. Last but not least, Sleepy and I, we're both going to be doing Sunday morning live stream on Twitter, talking about line moves, fantasy news. That's going to be from probably 11 a.m. to about 11.45 a.m. up to 12 p.m. on Sunday right before kickoff. So we're putting this all out there. Subscribe. We appreciate everybody listening, everybody reading, everybody subscribing. We couldn't do it without you guys. So thank you so much for following what we're doing. A lot more things in store in the future. So anyway, sleep me. I'll let you take it out from here. I've said enough. So I, it's always my pleasure to jump on this pod. It's my favorite as well. All right. Good stuff there from Chris. You guys can get him on Twitter at Mad Journalist. That is M-A-D-D Journalist. You can get me on Twitter as well at SleepyJ underscore pregame. And you guys can find us on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. I noticed, Chris, you've been in the pregame.com forums going ahead and providing some of your information that you've been, I don't want to say you're hoarding it because you do put a lot of it out, but at least you're sharing it in the pregame.com forum. So that's pretty awesome. And I'm sure those guys appreciate your efforts as well. But with that said, that's all we got here, guys. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games.